This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. A video of the talk is also available along with more downloads at our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Hello. I expect most of you will certainly agree with one word in the subject, and that is chaotic world. Because we just don't know what we're waking up to from one day to the next, and so such unexpected things happen, don't they? And we really do increasingly uh, wonder where we are. And I suppose all of us are looking for peace in, of some sort or another. And it's very, very difficult. And I've been thinking about this. Well, what does peace mean to us? In Hebrew, the word is shalom. That's what it is. And shalom means completeness, safety, tranquility, prosperity. Perfect and full. And really, it is a most amazing word when you look at it <clears throat> like that. The assurance of knowing where you are and what is going to happen. And it seemed to me that that was one of the things uh, that we have most difficulty about in, in actual fact, of trying to know what is happening because actually things change with such rapidity. Just look at just a li little couple of pictures that I've put on the screen. which seemed to me to, to convey an idea of peace and stillness, the sort of thing I suppose that we're all looking for when we go on holidays and all sorts of retreats and things. We're just looking for that it's so peaceful. Exactly how to define it uh, is not the easiest of things. There's a peaceful scene. With all in order, a bit of sunshine coloured on the foreshore reproducible and giving a feeling of calmness to see water quietly working its way through in these sorts of ways and the shadows being reflected and nothing disturbing that the central point of the picture. Just a few little ideas, uh, all of which to us one or other conveying some sort of idea about what we might mean by peace. And what I consider that these pictures which we've seen, there's nothing special about them, but <clears throat> they do show views of things which are in control, ongoing, and not new things about to come and disturb it all. That's, that's what it seems to me and that's what we're all looking for and how rarely we're able to actually get to find it. Peace. How about this? Well, the way to try and see what peace is is to try and define the opposite. And I thought that really chaos might be a reasonable opposite to think about in t as a contrast to peace. So if you think about chaos, you look at a picture like that, just everything going in all directions, no reproducibility, no known future about it, just, just chaos. And therefore, something that has threats to peace of mind, and, and we don't react well 
to chaos when it comes about. Yet we are all too often, aren't we, friends, facing with that. Chaos is threats to peace of mind. And our problem, especially these days, and I think that peace is is more and more difficult to find, uh, is because of really all the communications, all the vehicles that keep bringing us changes. Because no sooner have we absorbed one thing, then something else comes along. Think about international threats. Hijacking. You think about when we hear about planes that have fallen out of the air or or, uh, threats to peace in various countries and so on, revolutions. Think about suffering and starvation, which is just so terrible in the world. And there's millions of people who are displaced and going from one place to another, not knowing where they're going to end up. I mean, that people in those sorts of circumstances, they can't have peace of mind. They just can't. It's really chaotic because they don't know. There's things happening all the time and they don't know what's going to happen out of it. Because it's true, isn't it? More and more news all the time. And it's got worse and worse, not only with the coming of of computers and things, but also with the coming uh, of the other mass media of communication, more and more news, what we call news, is news because it's new and therefore it disturbs what was old. And there's also terrible chaos in terms of personal issues. Think of the relationship crises going on all over the world between men and women, in families, between children, you think of the crisis that there, we understand now that there are problems with children and, and the, the, the difficulties of, of, of their minds are growing more and more as a result of all this. Think about people with money problems. We've been hearing horrific stories about people on these betting machines who in a couple of minutes can, can get rid of a £1,000, £2,000. And, and somebody on some media or other said they'd got rid of, they had a house and a family, and, and a, in a, a small period of time they got hooked on these betting gambling machines and they'd lost it all. They had nothing whatsoever. Well, there's no peace there, is there? <coughs> Total uncertainty. And that, you can repeat that. Think about the chaos in terms of family and children, the breakdown of families and the hundreds, thousands of people, of young children who are in care and not living and just probably don't even know their own children. There is so much suffering as a result of the lack of peace. And then, of course, there's unexpected health issues. We, we all have that terrible problem, don't we, of having had some sort of examination or other and then coming through the post or on the email comes something for a... Uh, an article or or a business which has been made for us to attend some clinic or other. Unexpected health issues just hover over us. So all of these coming in to such an extent that we really can become utterly confused. And then with the things that we've got there to take decisions on, we don't take proper decisions because we've never got a, a calm background to our minds in order to take it. Now, I don't think I'm over-egging that. I I really think we are all in the grip of that, greater or lesser extent. So I'm talking about, then, peace of mind, and I'm trying to look at chaos and saying, well, chaos is the opposite of that, 
and I reckon there's an awful lot more chaos around than there is peace around. So we can become utterly confused. Now, people have various strategies of overcoming this. I mean, one of the obvious ones is to try and remove money out of the confusion. So therefore... Uh, if we can take out an insurance policy, for example. Now, that, that gives us a nice little warm feeling. We're prepared to take out some money and feel, well, that limits uh, whatever it is that, that is uh, coming towards us, and it will help us to have some sort of peace of mind. So we come to the conclusion that, in fact, money, and there's people coming up on the pools or whatever it is, money can combat that and help us. There's, there's a way that we can help with this confusion and so on uh, that we find so much about. So, really, how chaotic are our lives today? So many things crowd round, demanding decisions. We can't see what's best to do. What does chaotic really mean? So confused and threatening, we can't see. And then I thought about it and thought, well, okay. So what about in past ages then? Is our age that much worse than anything else you can think about? Is today's chaos and confusion any worse or any better than of previous and other generations? Let's go back 76 years to 1940. Have a look at this and see what you think about peace in a background of life when you look at life like that. 21 miles away across the Channel, the Germans had defeated France. Imagine how you would have felt in June 1940, 76 years ago. How would your peace of mind felt then? When France fell with such rapid speed in June 1940, ten months after the outbreak of World War II, Germany believed it had achieved an unprecedented triumph. And that was to sit just 21 miles away across the Channel. How's that? Not only Belgium, Denmark, Norway and Luxembourg had been overrun, but Britain's army had been outflanked and ejected in late May from Europe with the loss of most of its heavy weapons and equipment. Hitler expected Great Britain to surrender. I mean, we have matters of importance, which we are going through with Brexit and all the things associated with across the Channel, but what about this by comparison? Suppose you had this 21 miles away, and the country did. How do you feel about that? Hitler said, I have decided to begin to prepare for, and if necessary, to carry out an invasion of England. Supposing that came across your television screen tonight when you went home. It's not easy to have peace of mind with such uncertainty. Hitler's words in 1940. And on the 4th of June 1940, Winston Churchill delivered a speech to the House of Commons of the Parliament of the United Kingdom. He described a great military disaster and warned of a possible invasion attempt by Nazi Germany during the war. 
and he gave a broadcast on that date. And you think about the chaos of the situation as it was happening at that time. When Napoleon laid Boulogne for a year with his flat bottom boats and his grand army, he was told by someone there are bitter weeds in England. There are certainly a great many more of them since the British Expeditionary Force returned. Sir, I have myself full confidence that if all do their duty, if nothing is neglected, and if the best arrangements are made, as they are being made, we should prove ourselves once more able to defend our island home, to ride out the storm of war, and to outlive the menace of tyranny, if necessary for years, if necessary alone. At any rate, that is what we are going to try to do. That is the resolve of His Majesty's government, every man of them. That is the will of Parliament and the nation, the British Empire and the French Republic, linked together in their cause and in their need, will defend to the death their native soil, aiding each other like good comrades to the utmost of their strength. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight in France. We shall fight on the seas and oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We shall never surrender. And if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjugated and starving, then our empire beyond the seas, armed and guarded by the British fleet, would carry on the struggle until in God's good time the new world, with all its power and might, steps forth to the rescue and the liberation. You see, there's a study of that eminent man. And if we're thinking about peace of mind, I mean, he, he certainly was very peaceful in what he put forward and very positive in what he expected and hoped for as a result of this great conflict uh, which was coming upon him. That isn't to say that the peoples in the islands who were living in that time, they certainly had terrible chaos and worries and difficulties in their minds as they saw the position that the country was in and the possibilities. And the Archbishop of Canterbury, writing in 1940, he similarly had a background there which, which gave him something on which to trust. In 1940 he writes about the hope of a new world and he wrote 
and, and produced a book on that and, and in it he says we are fighting to maintain an order of society which gives free course to the Christian gospel and offers hope to advance towards a truly Christian civilization. And so the people in charge in the country at this time, there, there were these ideals which they had, in which they, they thought, in fact, they, they felt that this war was going to be a war to end all wars. Mind, they'd also thought that the 1914-18 war was going to be a war to end all wars. So they thought it was worthwhile doing. They, they had an idea uh, in their minds to that extent. Well, it's a good question because I don't know what came of it at the moment because my screen has just died on me. It's Just hold on a second. Oh, right. So it's going on to that one. Right. So the personal peace of mind in a chaotic world like it was for Churchill as it was for the Archbishop of Canterbury depends on a personal hope. Now these people had real desires and real hopes and a conviction and hope for the, for the absolute future. Churchill had the hope but the problem was when we look back at what happened because that was 76 years ago the problem was that the hope was not based on firm evidence it was not grounded on firm evidence but there is evidence to hold it on now if we are going to have a time with hope in our minds and of peace which is what we're trying to get towards the peace in our lives then what Churchill had and what the Archbishop of Canterbury had is what we would have we need to have absolute hope and assurance of it now they did not have assurance their hope was not based on something that was categorical and unchangeable it unfortunately uh, had a very big change a court of law the finding is based on an, an assessment of the evidence so that's what we have to think about now how can we have our personal hope based on an evidence to give us peace of mind through the problems that we see around us any more than those people in those days now I'm going to offer you uh, two evidences number one I'm going to put to you that uh, Jesus Christ the first evidence is the fact that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead and that's the, that's the first major hope that we can put and say well that is something that is unchallengeable that Churchill was unable to have to hold on to nor was the Archbishop of Canterbury but we can have through the scriptures we can have the fact that Jesus was in fact raised from the dead uh, the letter to the Corinthians says but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept so the hope of peace for the future is based on what God is yet going to do to send the Lord Jesus Christ back to the earth so that's one basis that we can have that Churchill for all his sayings was not able to have 
And the second evidence that I want to present to you is what we can call fulfilled Bible prophecy. And that fulfilled Bible prophecy is in fact based on the foreknowledge of God because God knows the end from the beginning and has written down in the scriptures in the Bible so that we can see and things that that he has predicted that if they come to pass we can see that there is a solid basis for our hope. Now what I'd like you to do if you would if you turn up in your Bibles with me to Ezekiel chapter 38 I'm only going to look at just one verse as an illustration I'm looking for evidence that we can base our hope on because these people we've been looking at they did not have evidence and when the time came then it was not it did not stand and there has not been that peace that they were all looking for so in the book of Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 8 I just want to take this one reading uh, out of that chapter there Ezekiel chapter 38 verse 8 just read it through with me let's see what the context will tell us by looking at the verse after many days the prophet says thou shalt be visited now we don't know who's going to be visited at the moment but there's going to be a visitation which is going to take place after a long time after it's been written down so there's a visitation going to take place and reading on in the latter years thou shalt come into the land this is brought back from the sword so people are going to come into a land and the land has been undergoing terrible torment and warfare and it has been brought back from that so it's no longer undergoing those things it's been brought back from warfare that is brought back from war and some further evidence about it that we can find and is gathered out of many people so it's a land that has got lots of people come into it that have come from many many different lands now actually that's a real big amount of detail that in one verse is given to us and finally where is this going to be the prophet goes on to tell us against the mountains of Israel which have been always waste so we can see that this is the picture he's talking about he's talking about people coming back to the land which is where there's been great warfare and people are gathered back there now and it's a land that in fact has always been waste that's what it is but it is brought forth out of the nations so it's been brought forth out of many many peoples and the prophet says and shall dwell safely all of them now what we put to you friends is this that 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 land it says it's the land of Israel and if you look and as we all know the land of Israel uh, in, since 1948 has been brought back and the children of Israel are in the land of Israel at this time and since 1948 they've been prospering there and that exactly those those each of those statements is exactly and precisely fulfilled by this verse here now what I, the other thing I need to point out is that this is in the ordinary King James version of the scriptures and it's actually there 
in the edition which was printed in 1611. Now you can go and find, you you have a job to find the first edition because they're extremely valuable. But those actual words are in there from the very beginning. So in 1611, at least, those things were done. Now in 1611, between then and 1948, the Jews were scattered throughout all the lands. They were put under terrible persecution. We know that in Germany and other other nations they were totally persecuted. But what this prophet is saying some 400 years before it happened has given us a total description of what that land would be like and what would have happened. A description is unmistakable. And I challenge you could take any other land that you would like and you, you will not find any other land which corresponds to this, quite apart from the fact that the land of Israel and the mountains are mentioned there. Now, that is a second evidence, because there is no ordinary person that can make predictions. Now, we know amongst the human race and over the years, uh, there are many people with tremendous possibilities and attributes that they have. We've got people who, for example, can learn a little while ago an actor learned all of Mark's gospel and was able to repeat people are able to do things like that Uh, people are able to solve massive uh, equations mathematical things many people have many different attributes not all of them but just one here and one there now God is able to show that none of those people has got the attribute of being able to forecast the future Only God has done that because what God has done has to cause that to be written down so that it then, 400 years then passed and we can read it and that shows. And that's the fingerprint that we can see that God has this ability to forecast the future. So as between on the one hand the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ and on the other the fulfilment of so many of his prophecies and predictions which by the way there are literally hundreds of like things I've just taken one tiny little bit out of that for us to use now if we use that as a basis this is how we can have a hope for the future and how we can have a hope that will not be overtaken with all the problems and difficulties like the other things that we have read about have been and Jesus Christ he says peace I leave with you because we're looking for peace so what can peace be based on peace has to be based on a certain hope it has to be grounded and we've got to feel positive about it and if we do then that's how we can have a a peace and a hope in a chaotic and fast changing world as we see that hope of peace and tranquility harmony and safety that is what we're looking for and the Bible in terms of holding out and writing down God's word is there for us so that is my dear friends what our answer is uh, to peace in a chaotic world our answer is to trust in God to read what God has written down it's been preserved for us in our own writing after well not only 400 years I've just talked about for 400 years but in fact the word of God has been preserved for 2000 plus years 
And that is something we can put our faith and trust in. Winston Churchill didn't have the ability or didn't see the need to do that. And what he hoped for a new world came to nothing. What the churchman hoped for a new world, the hope of a new world, that came to nothing. But for each one of us, if we put our faith and trust in God and in the scriptures, then we can move out of the way, the chaos, and we can have something absolutely purposeful in our lives so that whatever happens and what it says is that there's a most wonderful future which is going to come on the earth in the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and our president read to us from that Psalm 72 because in that day all of the problems which which emerge from the situation that we see around us all of those problems will be no more and there will be a time of, of absolute plenty and rejoicing and in particular those who are downtrodden and poor they will be specially looked after and that chapter that we read together showed how the poor uh, shall be looked after he shall judge the poor of the people he shall save the children of the needy shall break in pieces the oppressors this is what the bible predicts to happen and it has predicted those wonderful things about the return of jesus christ and about the fulfillment of the children of Israel back to their land soon the Lord Jesus Christ will come and finish off that great task so now is the opportunity to put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and to get away from the chaos of everyday living and concentrate on what the Bible says for each one of us thank you very much we hope you enjoyed that talk for more downloads, videos information about what we believe and details of our meeting times go to our website ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk Music